Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Roto-Grinders? Welcome back to the NFL Pick 6 Show, week number 17. One more to go after this one. As always, Rich Rebar from Shark Football Analysis here. Uh, John Daigle from NBC Sports, my good football show podcast. From your podcast I listen to on Tuesday night when you hate answering start sick questions. I absolutely love listening. To- Just go check out the article. Check out the article. Check out the article. That's your it's you for a half hour. That's what I listened to before the show. <laughs> this week was even more complicated because you get lots of questions about the Bills wide receivers, the Vikings running backs, and they literally changed the rules like after the column was written. And I was like, listen, like we literally have to wait for tomorrow. In fact, like Dean, if you're checking in tonight. I'm doing another one more massive update tonight just because like the rules literally change. A hundred players came off the COVID list Wednesday afternoon. Like how do you expect to make content for that on a Tuesday? So I imagine Rich has been updating all day as well. Rich, how about yourself? Have you been updating all sorts of stuff uh, throughout the day? Yeah. I mean, yesterday as, as I was writing up games too, you know, you're waiting, just trying to see news. You could see it coming, you know, uh, that they were going to change it. So you try to be ahead of what you could, but. Yeah, I mean, it does change a lot, especially, you know, like what's going on with the Colts, especially, you know, they were going to be a team that was really going to be seeing who they could field on Sunday. And now they're going to maybe have more or majority of their team back uh, in a game that they could have, you know, maybe potentially lost and gave away, uh, made their playoff uh, implications something different. So, yeah, I mean, it's the NFL, man. Uh, They're solving uh, one thing at a time here uh, and ending all of life's (laughs) biggest conundrums. It is funny, though, that it took Ian Book playing football for the league to say, okay, no more of this. Something has to be done. Enough. Get the players back on the field. <laughs> yeah, that was the last straw. Ian Book, oh, boy, that was an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean, in a season have- of absolutely miserable quarterback play, Ian Book was the cherry on top. Very much the Drew yeah. Lock of 2020. Like, if you're bad <laughs> in a year where no quarterback gets bad, get your ass back to the bench. That was Ian Good. Book of 2021. He was somehow worse than Jake Fromm. Nah, he wasn't. Jake Fromm was I worse. I don't know. Yeah. Jake Fromm was worse. <laughs> <laughs> going to break down the main slate this week. Of course, 14 games. Going to do that in a second. You guys know how this works. Uh, we focus on three main games and break it down from all possible angles. Let me kind of run it back. As far as our favorite players, position by position of players that are not in those three main games. Before we do that, John, I know you have a bit of a sweat as far as uh, I'm sure we have some season-long people. I assume we have some season-long people joining us that maybe they got knocked out last week. They want to give DFS a shot. Uh, welcome. What's up, y'all? And do hit that like button on YouTube. Subscribe. Turn on notifications. All that good stuff. John, how is your uh, how is your season long team going? I believe you're somewhere around what is in the twenty like, fifth or so in the big old contest. Yeah, the large Vegas main event draft that we talked about last week. We 
myself, Connor Allen, and Ryan Noonan of 44 Football were in 73rd place, and we jumped to 28th overall this past week. So very clearly, massive leaps can happen, and there's one more leak week left. We'll see what happens. We are not most likely, barring a catastrophic like injury ravage for the first place team, the, the Go Bills, the trio of men who put together the first place team basically can't be toppled. Uh, they had the nuts. They have Jonathan Taylor, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup. They literally drafted the absolute nut. Mark Andrews, they drafted the nuts. And good for them. They created an absolute monster team. They deserve the 500K. But we, were, we literally are live for the 100K second place. We're just right there. Um, so we need like a, probably like 150 to 180 points. We've scored over 140 in four consecutive weeks now. Helps out a ton. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, we don't have Cooper Cup, but we still have some some monsters and good matchups like your Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. We have Mark Andrews. We got a choice to make between Dalton Schultz and Michael Pittman. We'll see if we get Lamar back or if we want to go Tua and Jalen Waddle. So yeah, we got some choices and we're just surging along strong here. Hopefully a big payout. Rich, do you answer questions? Start sit on a uh, Wednesday night. What do you think? Schultz <laughs> versus Pittman. <laughs> I mean, we got to know if Wentz is playing. So we got to, we're going to have to ride. We're going to have to ride that one to the 11th hour. <laughs> That's it. Hey, but there's no Thursday game this week, so no one needs to ask any start sick questions until Sunday morning. Dean heard that on the Tuesday <laughs> chat as well. That was my answer quite often. Yeah, no, but I want to know who I'm playing five days from now. Now, <laughs> I mean, the NFL, we don't know who's going to be playing in the NFL still because yeah. all, even though with all these roles have changed, remember anyone that goes on the COVID list basically from this point on isn't playing Sunday. So you still still got to hold your breath. The only there's good thing chance. is that so many good players have already been on the COVID list; they can't go back on uh like you yeah. know Ty, like Tyreek is it going to be back on like you know Nick Chubb you know that's already player Austin Eckler all these juggernauts that have already been on it we're good like they, they're not gonna go back on the rest of the year and I was we looking just, it kind of defines the slate as well because even if we lose a couple good players like remember all the bye weeks are done they they put two bad teams into Steelers and Browns on Monday night so we don't even have to worry about those players that we weren't going to worry about on the main slate to begin with so like we still have good players no matter what happens here like even if you're looking down at paying down at quarterback this week and maybe you can if you're trying to fit some monsters like all the studs are playing in the main slate so we're just pretty much done with being cute moving forward and uh we're now on to like we get some monsters in our lineups how do things work out for yourself, Rich, uh, DFS-wise, season-long-wise? You got anybody in the ship? Yeah, I had three teams get through. I uh, wish it was a lot more. But, man, you know, we don't ever talk about it in the show because we don't talk about it. But last week, I had absolutely beautiful lineups that were sabotaged by team defense selection. Like, mm. we, we don't ever talk about it. I had, the, I had the wrong team defenses. I mean, I had so much, like – the, the lineup that Adam Levitan won the 250K with, I, in that same kind of, I basically had the same lineup, but didn't have Burkhead and, and I had a bunk defense. Uh, this, yeah, I had a ton of Burrow and literally Falcons, Chargers, uh, and Bengals D just absolutely wrecked me. Uh, if I would have just been on Eagles, Bucks, uh, and Chiefs, like we would have won like an absolute bunch of money. The, the only, like, there is a skeleton key, and that's just playing defense opposite the Giants. Like, if you do that every week, if you pick the 16.4, like, you'll get there every week. Yeah, I got to get more on that. We got two weeks left to play defenses against the Giants. <laughs> Shout out to Levitan, 250K on FanDuel, oh, yeah. one of the absolute I mean, the Burkhead call was, I mean, even though you see, like, in hindsight, like, oh, they played the Chargers, whatever. It was Burkhead, he had had more than 60 yards in a game the entire season. Like, absolute smash play.
And uh, same price as Ronald Jones and Alexander Madison. So it's just like right there hiding underneath the blankets. So it was. It was I was off Madison when he got the touchdown. I was pretty bummed. But, uh, you know, coming off COVID against the Rams, I was like, I'm going to fade him even at 55. And it, it worked out for the most part. Um, but like I said, team defense, we don't talk about team defense and defense selection, but absolutely cost me. Uh, it cost me six figures for sure. Oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> it, it helped me last week, by the way. And you know what else helped me? Shout out to you guys talking about Cincinnati and uh, throwing the ball. And I did get myself a burrow with Boyd and Higgins and Philadelphia. And uh, I finished like sixth or so in that big old Yahoo contest, million dollar contest over there in Yahoo. Awesome. So tied with a couple of people too. Like I got, I got duped, but um, yeah, I, I had middle been able to partake in like a top of the show. Like last few weeks, you guys like, yeah, I crushed this and I crushed that. And I'm like, yeah. Rough day for your boy. <laughs> Finally, you know, got up and made myself a, a profit week last week. Looking forward to this week as well. Two more slates. To well, to be fair, slates. Dean, this that was the first time. It took 16 weeks for you to listen to us. Uh, and then you ended up winning some money. <laughs> and, well, yeah. and also, Dean, remember, I, I talked about being a volatile situation, which it is. But also, we know on the show, we play probabilities. And volatility also means that it can hit its floor, but also it could just crush the entire slate. And guess what it did? It crushed the entire slate. So while I understand that 12% Jerboro was an amazing play with the stacks, I also was like, okay, but they could just run again on first down. We'll talk about that in a second because they didn't. But uh, I went for 3% Josh Allen and 1% Isaiah McKenzie, which did make me have a winning day, but it wasn't like Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase winning day. So I would keep complaining that I had the right play as my wife leaves me. No big deal. I can't complain about the Boyd uh, second touchdown getting taken down. Am I allowed to do – what are the rules? Like, if you win money, you're supposed to be happy and you want money. But I did do the thing because I said Boyd scored a second touchdown and was taken down, and, like, nobody had Boyd, basically. He was, yeah. like, 1.5% owned. And I feel like I would – I was, you know – Well, he didn't catch it, to be fair. To be fair, he didn't catch it. So, I didn't like, see you can't it. be I... upset. Yeah, it was, it was clearly incomplete. Like, it, was, it wasn't like anything you – it wasn't like a holding penalty or something like a call okay. back or, like – it, like it, they rolled it a touchdown, but it was clearly incomplete and they reviewed it and it got overturned pretty quickly. So like, you can't be too upset. <laughs> I was, I was away from the TV. I heard, I was watching, of course, red zone and I hear touchdown for, for Boyd and like Philadelphia defense touchdown. I'm like, Oh man, yeah. my team might've just shot up. And then I saw the boy. He mossed the dude. Away, but... He mossed the dude on it. And uh, just, it just came out on the, on the back end. That was a, and he was obviously in the Millie winning lineup over Levitan at second place. And that was such a good call too for Boyd. We talked about it too, how the last three games before that one, he had popped up a little bit with at least five targets, was getting more involved. Uh, so especially if you considered that one a shootout for the Bengals offense, like that was the sneaky second pivot to have. So what a great call. Yeah. So speaking of Boyd, that is a, you know, he's in our first game. We're going to talk about Kansas City, Kansas City at Cincinnati. Cincinnati currently getting five points, 50 as far as the total on the board. Pretty big number, second biggest number on the board uh, this week. We'll talk about the biggest number in a second as well. Uh, Daigle, your thoughts as far as this game? Kansas City, I believe they're they're fully motivated because they want to get that number one spot. Uh, I did not have a chance to, to dig into motivation and things like that. Usually that's like a last, you know, mm-hmm. last week of the season kind of thing, last couple of weeks of the season. But I believe Kansas City is trying for that number one spot. If you uh, This used to be the last time of the season. Yeah. It was like <laughs> – Last week of the season. <laughs> it feels like we're just going through the motions now. <laughs> Dago, what, what are your thoughts as far as Casey? Oh, it is worth noting, and there's really no way of quantifying this, but what was it a note from uh, Mahomes talking about Tyreek coming back from COVID and saying mm-hmm. like he was breathing really hard in, in the huddle? And like, how do you quantify that in your, you know, in your spreadsheets and things like that? And different people react in different ways. We see some players come back. Uh, well, some guys didn't practice and all of a sudden they're not playing. A guy like uh, Gaskin 
Uh, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how to game script for that, but uh, that's a thing. Uh, when you consider like guys like Austin Eckler, we see how that goes down. We're assuming he comes back this week from uh, COVID issues. All right. Uh, we're talking about Kansas city. Dago, what do you have for me? Well, now that these guys have eight to 10 days to get off the COVID list, most of them, I would think they would be back to normal, like a Tyreek Hill, you know, just in playing 42% snaps last week because he was activated on Saturday, essentially. Uh, then we should have figured that he would be limited. I thought even then it was a good spot to pivot off of him, even though we knew his ceiling, if playing at full, was very similar to Cooper Cup, whomever else, Justin Jefferson, you had at the top there. Um, let's start with the Bengals offense, though, actually, because – Again, we're in a situation like last week to where there are reasons to be somewhat worried. We discussed, as we talked about the top, the volatility of the Bengals offense after they handed off on 17 of 22 first downs against the Broncos. It was not the case this past week against the Ravens, as everyone who played Joe Burrow is very well aware, uh, threw on 21 of 35 first downs this past week. And now we have this little bit of a sample in two games against the Ravens here, the Bengals have passed on 36 of 62 first downs for 10.7 yards per attempt, 58% pass play rate in those games. Whereas in all their other games, just 43%, which is the fifth lowest in the entire league. So the narrative or the nest stats could say go one way or the other, but honestly, it just seems like a little bit of a fake courage from Zach Taylor. We even saw him passing up 30 points in the fourth quarter, John Harbaugh getting a little bit pissed at him and reasonably so coming out to the middle and literally just like mouthing, like, what are you doing? Like, what's the, what's the game plan here? What Was is that going personal on? though? Was there some sort of backstory with Burrow and Baltimore a little bit. and like they kind of stick it yeah. to him like in previous years? A, a little bit, like yes. Uh, Cincinnati okay. also has averaged over seven yards per play in three games this year. Two of those instances have come against Baltimore. Uh, we know how other teams attack the Ravens. So really no shock that Joe Burrow and everyone got there. So if that's the case, and like we're not talking about the Ravens here, we're talking about the Chiefs defense instead. Like there is a there is a sample here that says, okay, well, maybe the Bengals just go back to being the offense they are and slow it down despite being successful on first downs. Because even in those 13 other games, they were averaging over eight and a half yards per attempt through the air. It wasn't the, it wasn't the fact of how successful they were though. Zach Taylor still slowed them down because they wanted to be, he wants to be a run first offense in every other contest. So I am, I am slightly worried, famous last words yet again, about the Bengals juice here. Are you, are you worried, Rich? I mean, they have a, a pretty fishy team total uh, this week, well below their seasonal output. Uh, so that was the first thing that kind of caught my eye when I was doing this game. And then when you just kind of get under the hood, I mean, th this could go a number of ways. This could totally be a game because we see teams take the bait against the Chiefs all the time, right, where they try to slow the game down and, and try to minimize possessions. It could be – we. I mean, a donkey like Zach Burrow could totally – or not uh, Zach Burrow, Zach Taylor crossed them both up uh, – could totally be like that. Like, oh, I'm going to try to limit possessions. We're going to try to establish Joe Mixon instead of, you know, the, the way to beat the Chiefs is to just go and do it like the Chargers have tried, right, like this year. Like, we're going to try to score a bunch of points. That's the goal. We're going to just try to outscore the Chiefs. Uh, and we've seen some of these Chiefs games let down, right? Like, we, there's been a number of times this year where we've circled the Chiefs game to like – yeah, this game, this would be the bonanza, right? This is going to be the game. And then they don't, it, it's just not good. It's, it's a boring game. Uh, nothing really gets there. The Chiefs defense has been playing good. This will be an interesting kind of test in a cat and mouse game too and how they approach it. Obviously, we've been doing this uh, 16 weeks and we've talked about Joe Burrow versus the Blitz. The Chiefs are one of the more aggressive defenses in the NFL and over this hot streak, 
They did not dial back the blitz against Dak Prescott. They did not dial back the blitz against Justin Herbert a couple weeks ago. Uh, so if they're going to, you know, still remain aggressive, we've brought up the splits a number of times on the show, how Joe Burrow has eviscerated the blitz. Uh, so we'll see, you know, uh, how the Chiefs want to approach it because from the gap of the last time Burrow played the Ravens till this Sunday, he was the least blitz quarterback in the NFL. And the Ravens said, well, we'll try a little bit, right? Like they blitzed him on almost 30% of his dropbacks. And he got absolutely smoked again. Uh, so yeah. it's going to be see what the Chiefs, you know, uh, take from that uh, and what kind of defense they play. Because remember the, the six previous games before this Ravens game, Joe Burrow threw six touchdown passes. So, I mean, they, they got a fishy team total. Uh, we've seen these some of these Chiefs games be kind of boring, not the, the pinball machine arcade type games that we have seen in years past. Uh, but definitely, if you're looking at it from an objective stance, uh, this game has a lot of really good players and can absolutely get there as well. Bengals also atop the NFC, <clears throat> the AFC North. They're fully incentivized to do their best to get the W here. One game ahead of Baltimore, one game ahead of Pittsburgh. Is that? Oh, Pittsburgh, never mind. Pittsburgh got a tie. I, I missed that for some reason. So I guess a game and a half. They're incentivized to win. Just kind of throwing that out there for what mm-hmm. it's worth. Uh, Rich, if you're digging through, uh, you know, the routes run and things like that, and how Kansas City defends. Who becomes your favorite Cincinnati re- uh, receiver? I mean, by default uh, of what, like, they're, where the Chiefs are weakest at, they're weakest against slot receivers, but it's tough to still, like, the way Tyler Boyd has gotten there the last two weeks is really tough because he's been schemed open on, like, two magnificent plays. Like, both of his touchdowns were just absolutely tremendous uh, plays where he got just the free run to basically go and, and run 50 yards for touchdowns. Uh, that's tough to, like, really kind of count on happening because that's how he's getting there. And he still is not getting you, like, high yardage games. All of his yards are coming on those two, like, masterfully designed plays. So, like, he's great if you can get that touchdown at low ownership like you almost got last week. Uh, but it's really kind of tough to chase those kind of plays with him. I still believe that T Higgins is the guy that like you still look at because he's the guy that leads the team in third down targets since he's been back. He's the team that leads the team in targets against the blitz. He's the foxhole guy. He's Burroughs foxhole guy. Uh, Chase is the money is the big money splash play guy, but T Higgins has been the foxhole receiver. Uh, but the Chiefs have been really good against boundary receivers this entire season. Uh, and they've been good for rece- against receivers for multiple years now. This is like a, a three-year running sample where they've really been good against boundary wide receivers without having elite cornerback play because they're aggressive. Uh, they play a lot of man defense. They don't really give up splash plays. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think T Higgins is based on the way he's used is the guy uh, that is, has, he's the, he has the more stable floor than Chase. Chase has the higher ceiling, but Higgins, you've seen, like he has a higher floor than Chase does. John, you agree? Completely agree. I was leaning the same way with Higgins over Jamar Chase for that very reason. Uh, if they tend to get aggressive, that's the thing. Um, you know, and we've seen situations where, like Rich said, the Chiefs leaned back against the Blitz. But like we even knew that Dak was amazing against the Blitz, for instance. And it seems like that Cowboys Chiefs games was such a long time ago. But even then, at least the Chiefs scaled back somewhat against Dak. So yeah, it, it would be Higgins in that case. Otherwise, if they settle in, um, I would lean maybe a little bit of recency bias, but still Higgins and Boyd double stacks if you want to go all in on this game. Also, uh, Joe Mixon, I understand he's been under now four yards per carry in his last four games. We talked about him last week strictly as a unique pivot and way to expose yourself to that game just in case it was run heavy. The good thing is if you did play him in that game, at least we saw the usage bump. Even after that ankle sprain in week 15, he returned last week with his most snaps, 82% since week two and six targets 
his most since midseason. And so basically with 35 routes on Burroughs, 55 dropbacks, back to being like a full-time player, but also heavily used over Samaj P. Ryan in the passing game, also with 24 of 27 backfield touches. So I think Mixon also a, a clever way, if you're looking to skinny stack this game, if you're scared to just fade it entirely. Yeah, we've talked John, about Mixon yeah. this season. I mean, the Mixon, if you just look at his splits, his, his game splits, and just look at the games he's using the passing game and when he's not, and then look at his fantasy ceiling. I mean, it's amazing the how night and day the production is. Uh, in games where he just has more than two catches, he's been the RB4 or higher in, in weekly scoring in all six games. And then in a game, he has nine games with two or fewer catches, and he's finished higher than RB23 once. It's just when they get religion to finally throw him the football, uh, his fantasy ceiling just gets completely unlocked. Because like John said, he didn't run the football extremely effectively in that game, 18 for 65. He had the one-yard touchdown. But it was all the receiving work he got that gave him that extra spice. Uh, and then he got into the – he caught an extra touchdown uh, in, in the receiving game. But it literally is when the when – the, when the Bengals get religion to throw him the football is when he takes off and you see the ceiling. This is why everyone keeps going back to him every year uh, in fantasy football, because we know it's there and it keeps getting, we're Lucy with the football every week, watch him get two targets this week. And we'll be like, what the hell, what the hell's going on? And unfortunately we've seen him pop up for at least four targets in six games this year, but in three of those in the next game, he had just one target. Like, right. <laughs> that, the, the frustrating part is there's been no consistency to his passing game usage. It pops up and then we play him and then we leave our slates pissed off. So that's, that's the maddening part here. Yeah. It's not as pronounced, but Dalvin cooks the same way. It's like, why the hell is this dude not being used as a, as a pass catcher? You got to get some IJP Ryan involved. Uh, it's, it's a few weeks, a few weeks ago. I don't really know if it still holds up or not, but I remember that Jim Sons tweet as far as Fandle specific, uh, mm-hmm. no player was in more optimal lineups throughout the season than Joe Mixon. I think it was like five or six weeks or something like that. That was a few weeks ago. He probably has some of the optimal of late, but just, yeah, the ceiling is certainly interesting. Rich, the, uh, the Kansas city side, how much are you prioritizing Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback? Uh, if we're assuming CEH is not going to play this week, who knows? We'll see. He did not practice on Wednesday. Probably Williams is the guy. I don't know how much you need him. Of course, four is lurking to some degree. Then there's Tyreek Hill at his worst game last week. Uh, all season long, there was the COVID thing. They also didn't need him. They absolutely wallowed Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just was not pushing back. And then you have Kelsey coming back from his COVID. I don't know if he had COVID or if it's post contact. I don't recall. But again, a lot of these guys coming back, different things, and who knows what to expect. Uh, and he's expensive. <laughs> and a lot of the big boys from Titan are on, are on the main slate. So what do we do with the Kansas City pieces? Yeah, that's something we've talked about all year with the Chiefs is, uh, you know, they've still been a really uh, elite offense in context of the 2021 NFL season. It's just that we grade them against previous Chiefs teams. So we are, we're used to seeing the Chiefs be kind of this like team that just doormats other teams. And that's been the case this year. But the last three weeks, they're first in the NFL in points per play. Uh, it's They're just doing it a different way this year. Everything's short underneath Yak. Mahomes now is the highest percentage of, of yards now generated after the catch. And we saw that again last year. I mean, that second Pringle touchdown was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> this, this dude pulled out the phantom juke. Uh, what, man, that, that was impressive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tough to pay for these guys, right? Cause we've seen the floor. Like we know that there's been multiple times we've gone to them at these price points and the, the price has never waned with these guys. Like it's never, like we've never gotten like Tyreek at like, seven five on FanDuel or like they, they just maintain upper echelon pricing uh, you're paying for what you get with for only one outcome right so that's what makes it tricky with these guys every week uh, plus they eat up so much of your roster allotment you know if you want to play Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey like you're basically saying you have no shot to play 
Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup, guys that have just been more stable and more worth paying up for at that price. Um, that's what makes them more tournament plays. Uh, I'm, I'm more interested to see what happens with uh, Daryl Williams, though, uh, because, you know, he's a guy that if CEH doesn't play, I mean, he had 19 or more touches in every game but one that CEH missed and is like the inverse of what we talked about, Joe Mixon. Like he is the guy that gets all the pass, pass game work, even when he's bad uh, in the run game. And that's what the Bengals are. They're really good against the run, uh, backfields uh, stopping the run, and they're really bad against backfields against the pass. So like there's kind of some symmetry of how Daryl Williams scores his points. So with another week of fantasy ghosts uh, like Rashad Penny and guys that are going to be in play, like Daryl Williams might go just a little bit overlooked, especially if you're stacking this game and going with like an onslaught approach. John, are you in on Williams this week if CEH is out? Oh, buddy. We're in on the mentor every single oh, that's week. Your, oh, yeah, that's your guy. He's a starter. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like my worst. He's my best worst guy. Um, we also saw him against the Raiders. Remember, he lost to that one cornerback for a touchdown as well. We've already seen, like Rich said, like that's who they run through. Not only do their running backs since the Chiefs bye have 25 combined targets like as their third receiver, they don't – they don't let like Byron Pringle, who did step up and lead the team in routes run this past week since Tyreek Hill was limited. But overall, like Josh Gordon, Nicole Hardman, Byron Pringle, like these guys just aren't involved when Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are at full speed. It's been their running back, whomever that's been. And now Darrell Williams, like even in those games he had the touches, also averaged five and a half targets and an 11 and a half percent target share in five games without Clyde Edwards Lair. Uh, some people may get cute and try the Derek Gore thing, but remember, like Derek Gore, 13 of his touches. 10 of them came on the team's final two drives when they were already up 30 to six. Like, of course they were just playing them when the game didn't matter anymore. Whereas he was available for the five games Edward Slayer missed previous this year, only averaged five and a half carries, totaled two targets in those four games. He's just not involved. It is Daryl Williams show. So yeah, like if he's going to become in under rostered, like that's the best way to get exposure to multiple touchdown equity ways here. You got any takes as far as the other pieces outside of them being tournament live, as far as Tyreek, as far as Kelsey, as far as Mahomes, you feel strongly one way or the other, of course, like they're always in play, but are they standing out to you or just like guys you would sprinkle in in tournaments or what? No, we just really haven't had a Mahomes slate that has mattered in so long. Like even the Thursday night game against the chargers, that was a showdown. And that was, you know, it was probably for a lot of reasons. We got some pushback, but also, I still like to mention that Derwin James did go out in the first quarter and it changed the complexity, just changed the outlook of that game completely, as opposed to what type of defense the Chargers were trying to run with Derwin James on the field. So now, like, honestly, you know, while the Chiefs are good, they don't, God, I hate saying this, but like, they don't scare me for fantasy anymore. It's like, I don't mind fading them genuinely on these main slates. Now we're probably going to be in position like, last week with the bills where it's okay. But if we see a competitive game here and we get Patrick Mahomes like five to 8%, then I'm just locking him in because he's 5% Patrick Mahomes. That's really the only reason I played Josh Allen last week. Cause it's like, I know you have the same ceiling as all these other guys and I see you at three to 5%. So what's the best way for me to get unique around this slate is to play this. So maybe I go that direction, but also Reeves hit on it with Tyree kill. It's the same story for Travis Kelsey in a stack tight end position where the top guys are now ending your world. Like if you miss out on the Mark Andrews slate breaking one, then you just miss out. Like you can't go, even Kyle Pitts was great last week, but when he's only like one K off of Mark Andrews, like who cares? Andrews literally ends the world. So like playing Kelsey around these other guys, we're going to have George Kittle. We're going to have Mark Andrews. It just, it's just really tough for me. Yeah. I mean, in tournaments, uh, in tournaments, it's been hard to, to win paying down at tight end the last four or five yeah. weeks. 
I mean, it's been a pat for tight end end of the season run here, uh, whether it be Andrews or those hot weeks that Kittle had, Kelsey's had a couple. Um, man, it, it, it's been really hard to just say I'm going to play on my 3K salary saver on DraftKings or my 5K salary saver on FanDuel and really come away. I had a bunch of Kyle Pitts last week, and that worked out a little bit. But, I mean, the, the Andrews teams were still the money makers. Yeah, the only important thing to note is that 14 games late, they're all on it, basically. Yes. So, like, if one big boy yeah. doesn't pay off, one of the other ones will. And, you know, like Cole Komet and his 11 DraftKings points, like, that might be usable if you, like, smash everything else as far as the big spends. But lineup construction matters, obviously. And, yeah, all right, we'll move on. Let's talk about Arizona and Dallas. Biggest total on the board, 52. That's a big old number. Uh, Dallas at home in a dome, which is important this time of year. Five and a half point favorite, Rich. Um, yeah, this seems like it's a fun game. Dallas fully incentivized, right? They're still trying to get that number one seed. And of course they locked up the division, uh, Arizona battling with the Rams as well. I'm not sure if they still have a chance to win that division. I think they're one game behind them. Uh, Rich, let's start with the Cowboys. Um, yeah, Zeke, <laughs> are we playing Zeke? Probably not. I mean, you can, but he says he's close to hundred percent. I feel like he keeps on saying that every single week, but yeah, uh, starting the Dallas side, what's popping for you? Yeah, I probably won't get there on Zeke still, but I mean, he, he's starting to look better than he did uh, for that stretch where he was, where everyone knew he was injured and playing hurt. He's starting to look a little better. Still had some touch de- touchdown deodorant, and I know that he didn't play in the second half of that game, but he hasn't had more than 76 yards in a game since week six. Uh, Arizona's allowed the fewest touchdowns to opposing running backs in the NFL. They'll give up some yards on the ground, uh, but just six touchdowns allowed to opposing running backs entire season. Uh, if you had Jonathan Taylor on Christmas Day, you, you lived that life. Uh, you got the 100 yards and you got nothing else. Um, but, yeah, so I probably won't get there on Zeke. The Cowboys, I mean, it, it was definitely a ravaged Washington team on Sunday night, and they took advantage of it. But, I mean, this is kind of the – that's the best version of the Cowboys. You know, it's kind of weird to say that, like – but just look at any time Dalton Schultz has actually been involved in, like, the output that Dak Prescott has had. Like, when the Cowboys are, like, a quick-hitting, like, play-action, exploit-linebackers type of offense, that's when they've been their best the entire year. And we've seen now, you know, when they get Dalton Schultz involved, like everyone kind of goes with it. Uh, So, I mean, I hate to be that simplified and just say like, hey, throw the ball Dalton Schultz, it's going to make your offense good. It seems really stupid when you have an offense with C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup. But that's when Kellen Moore has been his best, when they can run the football and they have offensive leverage. Uh, So hopefully they kind of roll that over this week. Arizona's been a lot better defense than, you know, kind of what the Cowboys have faced the past two weeks, though, in the Giants and uh, in Washington on Sunday night. But still, you know, Dak looked good. He, he was mobile. He was running around. He hasn't run around all year. He was escaping the pocket on Sunday night. Uh, we love to see that. And then uh, as good as, like I said, Arizona is compared to those other two defenses, they've still allowed three top 10 scoring weeks to Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. So, like, we're not really scared of them either. And as a byproduct of not allowing any touchdowns to running backs, they've allowed the fewest touchdowns like the running backs. They've allowed the highest rate of offensive touchdowns to be passing touchdowns as a as a byproduct 24 32 touchdowns they've allowed have been passing that's the highest rate in the league um and before i eat up all the shot clock here that would just lead me to still <laughs> trusting cd lamb the most out of the guys before you ask uh arizona's 31st in the league in points allowed to opposing slot receivers uh they've allowed a league high 15 touchdowns to opposing slot receivers uh so i i would still go back to lamb even though he's been a little bit dormant here he's still another guy that when you look at his floor though it's still been really really solid uh for him still not having a spike week can i say by the way how much is that a rebar original uh, touchdown deodorant i love that term i don't know who came no, up with that I'm, not, uh, I'm trying i think like pianowski used to use that in the old i think it was pianowski too 
Yeah, he used to do like the old Yahoo breakfast uh, table columns. Scott's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's always a fun line. The, the thing is with Dallas, and I, and I ran a bunch of optimals, and it's on a Wednesday night, and they only mean so much, obviously. But uh, John, like nobody really pops like from an optimal perspective on this Dallas side. They're all kind of like priced a little bit, kind of where they should be, or maybe a little bit too much. Uh, of course, we don't care about that in tournaments. You're looking for ceiling. You're not looking for average and that kind of stuff. And this is a great game stack where you feel like both these teams can kind of go at each other. And we can look at a potential 30 to 27 kind of game. And, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that matters. We don't care about the average. We care about the potential ceiling. And this, you know, you can't project CD Lamb to go 150 and two, but of course he can. And you, you, you want to take some shots at that. Uh, John, you have, you have a similar thought there as far as like nobody in Dallas is great uh, math-wise on paper and all that kind of stuff. Despite the fact they have a 29 total, they have Elliott and Pollard and Lamb and Cooper and Gallup and Schultz and only so many different places they can score touchdowns. Too many different guys, you know, so many mouths to feed, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so for cash, I don't love anybody in Dallas right now, but for tournaments, obviously they're very much in play. Do you have a similar thought and, uh, you know, favorite player, favorite stack on the Dallas side? I'll definitely be watching this one closely. I wonder what the narrative will be since the Cowboys did return to their vintage form, but also maybe people are telling themselves it was because of Washington's ravaged team. And maybe that was the case. Um, But also remember just two weeks ago, the Cowboys were the popular play against the Giants and they failed for every one of the main slates. So there may be some leftovers from that, but it's an, it's just an awesome spot. Uh, Cowboys have actually run the most plays the lead over the last month, but have still ranked in that time fourth and pass play rate with a lead, which is great for us if we're interested in these DAC double stacks. Um, even the Cardinals defense, ever since they lost J.J. Watt, they're still blitzing. They were always a, a top four team in blitz rate, but they're still blitzing without Watt at a top five rate. As we know, Dak, like Burrow, has just been awesome against the blitz this year. Nine and a half yards per attempt, 18 touchdowns, and just four picks. Uh, if they are going to blitz, CeeDee Lamb, to Rich's point, also leads the team in targets for man coverage. So that's also a plus. But we also saw a little bit of the squeaky wheel getting greased because Amari Cooper like did publicly demand more targets, basically in the red zone as well. And they did feed him his highest target share since week eight last week and a team high in red zone targets in that game. And then now, like Reeves mentioned, Dalton Schultz also emerging as the team's like engine, like the Leonard Fournette of the Bucks essentially in the last two games with a 21.5% target share in that time. So yeah, you can, you can easily get and convince yourself to get on any two of those. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems like, you know, Lamb first and then probably Cooper and then Schultz for me. And maybe I trade out Schultz and Cooper as we move along the week. But if the field's coming under these guys, like, God, this is, this is a week where I am pretty confident in the Cowboys passing attack. Jump to the Arizona side. Uh, respect, who knows what's going to happen with that running back situation. I presume if Connor is out, Edmonds, I think they're both limited as of Wednesday night. I think one didn't practice, which was, I think was Connor. I think Edmonds was limited. But, you know, if only one plays, the other one doesn't. Uh, they would obviously rise. Ertz, is he like their best? Is he the best target right now with Murray? Uh, you know, the Kirk Green, they're sort of fine, I suppose. Wesley, you can throw darts at. But yeah, if you're talking about the Arizona side, John, uh, who are you pairing with Murray? Who's the most appealing? And touch on the running back situation, which I think is kind of obvious, right? If one is gone, the other one becomes elevated. Duh. Yeah, let's touch on the Cardinals offense as a whole, because now we've seen two games without DeAndre Hopkins that Kyler has played. Because remember, Kyler was out in weeks nine through 12 and every game that Hopkins was also out for. We basically only had Colt McCoy evident splits to work with. But now in these last two games, the Cardinals offense has essentially just been less explosive and efficient. Uh, Still throwing the ball, Kyler is at the same downfield rate, but averaging just eight yards per attempt and a 30% completion rate on those throws 20 plus yards deep compared to 18 yards per attempt 
and a 56% completion rate um, prior to Hopkins being out these past two weeks. Also just 5.6 yards for pass of play these last two games because these targets that Hopkins used to accumulate are now being filtered through, you know, undrafted Anton Wesley, who's a good player, but is with the Cardinals because he was initially scouted to Texas Tech by Cliff Kingsbury, um, AJ Green and Christian Kirk. These guys who are just obviously better when Hopkins is trying to gain the best corner on the opposing defense. I also wonder how much of it is in-season regression happening because they were scoring the Cardinals were at the third highest rate in the red zone through week 13. And on these past two weeks, just one for six scoring in that area. And so, yes, everyone kind of knows where the targets will be filtered since Zach Ertz has led the team in routes run basically as an elite wide receiver the last two weeks without Hopkins. Um, and the downfield shots have gone split between Antoine Wesley and Christian Kirk. Uh, we've also seen now two games in the past two years that Chase Edmonds has received like the full workload with the starter or someone behind him missing. And then last year it was 28 of 30 backfield touches this year, first game without James Connor, 24 of 25 backfield touches. So Chase Edmonds, like even being used differently, even like gaining every single target underneath that Connor would even soak up in the red zone at some times, like he's basically become a touch base workhorse. If Connor doesn't play. Uh, Rich, your thoughts as far as Arizona? Yeah, I assume you're on board with uh, most of that, if not all of that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cardinals running backs have six combined uh, RB1 scoring weeks and just one came with both guys playing. Uh, so we need one of those guys to be out to kind of really kind of have a ceiling access for either player. And the Cardinals are interesting. I definitely believe the deep ball stuff is just natural regression. Like Kyler was so uh, above board uh, the entire season on, on deep throws. I don't necessarily believe that that's just – uh, two game sample worth of just saying, well, DeAndre Hopkins is out his deep ball. I think it was just more natural. Uh, I, I definitely want to attribute to more of that. Because remember now, in, in Hopkins has missed the last two games, but Murray now has averaged 232 passing yards with a game high of 274 passing yards over his past seven games played. When over the first first five games of the season, he averaged 330 passing yards with a low of 268. Like there has been a longer sample of this offense, not this passing game, kind of coming back down longer than just Hopkins in these past two games. And then also we saw Cliff Kingsbury in this offense coax really good production without Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins on the field. Like this is still a capable team of moving the football. I mean, we saw Colt McCoy average 9.6 yards for past him against the 49ers. We saw him throw for 328 yards against the Seahawks in week 11 without DeAndre, without DeAndre Hopkins. Like there's still offensive scheme and talent here to access production. Also, Kyler Murray, for as bad as his peripheral stats were, the dude had 22 fantasy points on Christmas. Like he's, uh, he's been running since he's come back. He has 136 rushing yards in his three games since he came back. He's had 208 rushing yards, his opening nine games this season. Dallas is 23rd in rushing points allowed to opposing quarterbacks this year. And as hot as Dallas has been defensively, uh, you know, and they're getting all the accolades, and they do, they have, they have, they have a lot more talent this year. Um, They've had five games this season against the fantasy quarterback one and just two of their past 12 games have they faced a, a, a guy that's a top 12 scorer on the season. So over the last month, they played Taylor Heineke twice, Mike Glennon, Taysom Hill, like the Cowboys still give up big plays and high yards for play. So like, there's still definitely this one to get there. Uh, just kind of the, the Cardinals recent kind of performances that made it a little more Jekyll and Hyde and give it a little more volatility. But I still look at the full season sample for the Cardinals, and there's definitely talent and scheme here to, to produce big numbers as well. John, you got anything else as far as this game? I think that's about it. If Connor's out, Edmund is a good play, like Rich said. 
If uh, they both play, then we can go to their wide receivers or Zach Ertz for the floor. All right, game number three, Rams at Baltimore. Baltimore currently getting three and a half points, 46 and a half is the total. Uh, Rich, we talked about that Baltimore secondary last week. Uh, I mean, Cooper Cup against this Baltimore secondary, it's been the absolute worst as far as yielding, a, you know, FanDuel fantasy points per game to receivers. The absolute worst when it comes to, uh, you know, yielding fantasy points to quarterbacks in the last four weeks. And now they got Cooper Cup uh, coming in. How do you think they handle Cup? Are they going to like it? We talked about it last week as far as, uh, Baltimore are they going to adjust is there is there a defensive coordinator who's going to do what he's going to do no matter who's on the other side uh, and will they try to lock him down to some degree and that will that, will that potentially open up you know guys like Beckham guys like Jefferson as interesting tournament plays uh, thoughts of course like Cooper Cup is great and that's that what, what, it's week 16 if you haven't figured that out at this point we're not helping you you know you know where, where have you been <laughs> well what are we going to say the wild, the wild thing about the Ravens is terrible as they've been the entirety of the season. They're actually fourth in the NFL in points allowed to opposing slot receivers, third in re- or slot receptions allowed, just because outside guys are just absolutely slaughtering them uh, repeatedly. I don't think that that really applies to anything to Cup. I mean, the dude has fewer than 92 yards in one game this season. Uh, he's going to get his. Uh, but it does open up a little bit, I think, for the other guys. Uh, th- these guys aren't necessarily jabronis, the ancillary pieces here. Uh, there's some talent here on the Rams side. I mean, Odell does have like three freebie touchdowns out of his four touchdowns, but I mean, the dude has four touchdowns now with the Rams when he had seven touchdowns in 29 games, to the Browns, uh, he still has what he, he hasn't gone over 81 yards yet. So he's gotten a little bit, uh, you know, of his production just stemming from those touchdowns. But this would be a game where he, you know, he's running, you know, the full allotment of routes. Ravens being cooked on the outside. I can see going back to him. Van Jefferson hasn't caught a long one in a couple weeks, but he's basically touchdown or bust. I mean, he, you just look at his, his yardage and production. I mean, if he, he doesn't score a touchdown, he's giving you nothing. Um, so this guy's a little more volatile, but it would be another game to go back to them. Tyler Higby interesting as well with the amount of time he's playing, but we've chased that rainbow a ton of times this season. Uh, but I think that's the way to get interesting, you know, and you just got to hope Cooper Cup doesn't score like, like last week. If you're going to build your stacks around the Rams, you go Stafford and then you go either Beckham, Higby or, you know, Beckham, Jefferson or Jefferson, Higby. And you hope Cooper Cup doesn't score that touchdown because he's going to get his c- catches and yards. But if you're playing somewhere on like FanDuel, like that doesn't hurt you as much. Like he's not going to get you. He can't really get you 30 without a touchdown on, on FanDuel. Right. Like so. Uh, you just hope he doesn't get the touchdown if you're going to build unique stacks because he is super expensive this week. 10-2 on Fandle, which I feel like <laughs> is the highest he's been all season. I want to oh, say yeah. it's the highest. Yeah. yeah. nine nine five on DK. DK, of course, you know, where you get points to those, uh, you know, a full point for the catch as well. So he's a better player there distinctly. Uh, Sonny Michelle is kind of interesting. 5-8 on DK, 7-1 on Fandle. Um, you know, Henderson is on the IR, right? He's not coming back this season. Or he's not going to be coming back for a while. That's correct yes yeah he's Ryan's out, out. Okay. back this year yeah acres okay. acres might potentially dress play we'll see but yeah i think this is a probably trap spot for sony though uh i mean we, we talked about it with joe mixon you know uh joe mixon didn't do anything on the ground he got a one-yard touchdown plunge and that's what you're gonna need from sony michelle sony michelle has not caught the football since he's played at all it's the difference between how he was used and a little bit of daryl henderson um he has no receptions at all uh, six catches for 35 yards. Ravens, number one in the NFL in terms of uh, uh, rate of runs that don't gain positive yardage, number one rate of the NFL for runs that don't gain five more yards. They've been awesome against the run all season, and you have a rushing dependent running back. He's going to have to fall in the end zone. He can with attachment to this offense. The offense is good enough to set up scoring opportunities, but the 
the Ravens don't give up anything really on the ground. You're going to have to catch the football against them. He's not doing that. And when you look at his opponents that he's faced, Sonny Michelle, this is by far the best run defense he's faced. So I feel like he's a little bit of a trap spot this week, especially with the price hike, because uh, you're going to need, I think, multiple touchdowns from him this week. They're not going to push acres, right? Coming back with nah. record time, five months, whatever it is from the Achilles, which is super impressive. That's awesome. But like they're trying to get them in like playoff shape, I assume, right? They don't, they're not going to like, you know, maybe like 15%, 10% of snaps or something like that. And you even said, maybe they just dress them and see what happens. Uh, yeah. John, your thoughts as far as uh, yeah, that situation, it's going to be Michelle mostly, right? It's going to be Michelle, yeah. Even with Daryl Henderson back, this was his second game back from injury this past week. Uh, Sonny Michelle got the first 20 touches, and Daryl Henderson came on the field in the third quarter finally, and he happened to get injured on his first touch. It's all Sonny Michelle's backfield from here on out, and we can rediscuss it for uh, apparently postseason shows we'll be doing. I don't know if I'm supposed to announce that. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, in the, it's happening. In the wild card that's round. Yeah, that's the plan right now. So in the wild card round, we'll rediscuss that then since the Rams will be there. And yeah, it's just it's just hard to distinguish between the outside receivers. That's why I do like kind of Van Jefferson, but like Rich said, it is, and we know what it is. It's touchdown or bust since we are trying to attack this Baltimore defense that is just ravaged. It goes back beyond the past two weeks too. Like you think mm-hmm. two, in week 10, two and Jacoby Brissett combining for over 340 yards, or combining for over 300 yards. Baker had 240 and a touchdown, which at this point is amazing for Baker. Uh, Rotsberger had 230 and two TDs, which at this point is amazing for Rotsberger as well. So yeah, it's just, just a team that's completely injured. Um, and since Beckham joined the team, he is tied with Cooper Cup for the most targets, 20 plus yards downfield. Van Jefferson has 25 more air yards, which is indistinguishable. But those two guys are, since we know, just like we talked about with the Packers and Bengals, we know exactly where to target the Ravens. Uh, those two guys are really interesting together for sure. John, touch on the Baltimore side. Seems like since the COVID list doesn't exist anymore, we'll get Tyler Huntley, who was ruled out on Friday last week. Now, whether that's enough time for him to be healthy and be back to normal where he was averaging six and a half carries per game, that's kind of what we're trying to decide here. Uh, since he did have a 70% per co- percent completion rate in his three starts um very accurate also throwing a little more downfield we saw Rashad Bateman did pop up for that touchdown regression since he now leads the team in routes run the past two weeks so yeah we're just kind of we're pretty much just basically figuring out like do you want the rushing floor in a tougher spot against the Rams defense for Tyler Huntley assuming it's him if it's Lamar Jackson that's a whole nother question uh because not only did he was he limited for practice on Wednesday and was limping around noticeably and the beat reporter film but also like remember before injury Lamar Jackson like we talked about fading him because he had been bad at football for a month leading up to it and it probably was because the Ravens were just decimated on their offensive line and he was forced to pretty much try and do everything um so yeah I, I think we will be it looks like at least getting Huntley in this game Lamar 7k on DK a little bit cheaper than he normally is Huntley uh, I believe he's like what five yeah, he's five six we'll talk about Trey Lance, who's four six on DK, <laughs> uh, which uh, you know as of right now, like, he, he hit my cap as far as optimal uh, optimals on DK. Not so much on Fanduel. Usual conversation with that. You generally have the money on Fanduel to spend up at quarterback on, on on DK. Your funds a little bit more squeezed. Uh, your thoughts here, Rich, as far as Baltimore. I guess you could play the if then if you want to. Yeah, I mean the, the video of Lamar on the uh, the the dormant Bermuda grass, which always trips me out in the with each other practice videos. Uh, feels like they're just like practicing on the moon. Uh, did not look did not look hot, man. He, he didn't look like he was moving very well. So we'll see if Huntley gets off the COVID list and he can play. And then you, like John said, you have to worry about him being running around, but not necessarily for the fact of playing Huntley because we'll have other options. But 
just what he means, uh, you know, for potentially a guy like Mark Andrews. I mean, Mark Andrews has, has soared because he's just getting for the first time in his career, like efficient freebies. Like he's, uh, I had the tweet earlier about it, just uh, on targets, uh, 10 yards, uh, 10 air yards and below uh, these past three weeks from Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson, 96% of his targets have been catchable on those. Uh, with Lamar Jackson, it was just 75% were, were catchable. Wow. And because of the efficiency of those targets, he's turning them into more 10.8 yards per catch, as opposed to 8.4. That's a two and a half yard difference. Um, so he's getting like more just accessible free targets and it's made his ceiling higher because he's no longer having to catch the touchdown or catch the 20 yard target downfield. He's giving you like four or five, eight yard catches and 10 yard catches too. That's how you get to 11 and 10 catch games, eight catch games, which with Lamar, I mean, I'm, it's not a dunk on Lamar's segment, but the fact that he wasn't playing his best football and these guys have been more efficient in the quick game behind an offensive line that is absolutely dreadful um, has made Mark Andrews into kind of like this fantasy entity because they only throw the football to two guys. Like we've had Bateman pop up two weeks ago against the Browns, but he's gone right back to like not being targeted. He had the touchdown last week, but just four catches. They only throw to Mark Andrews and Hollywood. And when they only throw to Hollywood, five yards downfield now too. I mean, he's had more than 55 yards in a game his past six games. His ADOT has almost been slashed in half where it was earlier in the season. He's caught one downfield target uh, in the past two months of football. Uh, so, I mean, it's not a great matchup objectively for Mark Andrews on paper against the Rams, but like, does he, is he a guy like we really, really care? Like if the, if he's going to get double digit targets, a talent like that, does it really matter who the hell he's playing against? We might see Ramsey so. on him. To be honest, Ramsey might guard him a little bit this game because Ramsey plays that star position. I mean, we could see some Mark Andrews, uh, Jalen Ramsey battle, which would be fun. That would definitely be like their best option. Uh, they've had they've had several instances where they should have done that. And they did not still shadow Ramsey. So I'm curious what's going to happen, but that would be the best option. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be like him shattering. Guy. It'd almost be like him playing his natural position kind of stuff, like what he's been playing. Andrew's the most expensive tight end on Fandle by $500. He's eight, seven. Oh man. Life comes <laughs> at you fast. Yeah. Been hot Kelsey though, man. Is, he's been hot. Yeah. I mean, that's how the Fandle scoring system, their pricing somehow goes. It, it could be a, it's very reactionary sometimes. It definitely, uh, that, that's a big jump for Andrews, but certainly he's justified that recently. 8-2 for Kelsey, then Kittle, 7-3, Gronk, 6-7. We'll talk about him in a second. We got anything else in this game, boys, or are we moving on? I think it's about it for this game. We're moving on. All right, we're going to break, break, break down our players, position by position, some of the favorite guys we like uh, in just a second. Before we do that, we have to tell you all about the sponsor, Jock Market. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Do appreciate it. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market. That is the app where Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You buy and you sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50. Use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Now get this. If you do not turn a profit this week, Jock Market, they're going to cover your losses in your very first event. Download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com. Again, use the promo code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match. Up to $50 on your first deposit. John, there's some uh, scheduled blowouts here, you know, as far as quarterbacks, Josh Allen versus Atlanta, Tom Brady versus the Jets, like just some walloping, some shellackings, whatever adjective you want to use. But in theory, they have the opportunity to score like four or five touchdowns. Herbert versus Denver. Uh, the DK price for Herbert's really appealing. I think at 6.8K, you got Hertz versus Washington, and then Lance. 6-4 on Fanduel. I'm not sure how much you need that, but Trey Lance is 4-8 on DK. Or are they just going to run the ball a ton with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel? Who knows how that's going to go down? 
Any of those guys do anything for you? Who pops out for you? The uh, last time the Chargers played the Broncos earlier this year, too, we thought it was going to be a slog, and it turned out to be like an up-tempo affair, so that's interesting. Uh, on your Brady point, we discussed the potential of the offensive scheme just changing without two Hall of Famers, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and that's actually did what happened. Now, they did have a lead for the majority of the game, but they still ran uh, 28 plays within one score of the Panthers and finished with their lowest run play right from neutral situation in any game this year as they just coasted on more of a running scheme. So, uh, you know, if we don't get, it doesn't seem like we're getting Mike Evans again, or maybe we will. Did he get activated today? Actually, I may have missed that one. He did come off the COVID list, but it sounded like he was still skeptical to come back from the hamstring injury, but we'll Great. stick a pin in it. Another, another caveat to uh, figure <laughs> out for week 17. Wonderful. Um, but no, we'll go ahead and just talk about the Trey Lance thing because uh, it's just hard, even at 4,600, even though we know he's going to be heavily rostered, aching to the Cam Newton, Taysom Hill, very cheap week where everyone paid down to win tournaments um, just because the rushing upside gets you there. It's just so hard to poke ownership and like he'll poke holes in the ownership he's going to garner since he scored 15 fantasy points in his lone start this year without either a rushing touchdown, passing touchdown, or George Kittle available in that game. Um, and then now he's recorded a, a carry on 26% of his snaps, which for reference, Cam Newton's wow. at 18.5%, Lamar Jackson's at 16.5%, and Taysom Hill's at 15%. So it's just a, a rushing quarterback that even if he throws like one or two touchdowns, imagine what kind of ceiling he has. He legitimately has QB1 overall ceiling in this game. So at 46 600 um you know it's a different discussion on FanDuel because you need those touchdowns to happen but on DraftKings yeah. for the rushing upside I mean it's it's as enticing as the models make it look to be so Wednesday night optimals uh take it for what it's worth I capped it at 50 percent on both DK and on FanDuel uh Trey Lance 50 percent of lineups on DK FanDuel 1 percent of lineups who's in 50 percent of lineups on FanDuel Josh Allen then Mahomes then Dak Prescott uh, Rich, your thoughts as far as, uh, well, all the guys we've thrown out there, who's kind of jumping out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think Lance is pretty easy to make the argument for the in the, the cash game lineups. Uh, maybe you go off in tournaments because you don't know how high the ceiling can potentially get. We just don't know. Uh, and it could be a game where they, you know, obviously can run the football against Houston, who everyone has run the football against, uh, you know, Rashad from Rashad Penny to Justin Jackson to any X amount of player they've all gotten there against Houston. So I assume the 49ers run game is going to be just okay here. Uh, I'm more curious about what Lance does to the rest of the pieces. I guess that's more of like a season long thing than a DFS stance. Cause I remember when Lance did play in week five and it was only a one game sample. He was 32nd in completion rate below expectation. You know, obviously he didn't have George Kittle in that game, but uh, he was a terrible passer in that game. And so I'm curious to see if it lowers the ceiling of guys like Depot and George Kittle and Brandon. Ayuk. That's more of a season long thing. I think that was also just... <laughs> remember that was when Ayuk was only playing 70% of snaps. It was still in the doghouse as well. It wasn't uh complete. I don't know who the Superman is. Uh, Batman Ayuk. I don't know. Whatever the superhero is that levels up Vegeta. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one of these things we just don't know where the ceiling goes. So maybe you come in uh, uh, under on, uh, on, tournaments but cash game is really easy to make the argument because the rushing floor is so high at his price uh with the amount of rushing attempts he had and there and he's gonna be a big part of the rushing he can run for touchdowns too um definitely interested in the bucks a lot uh they, they had a chance to still get there last week they just did they kicked a bunch of field goals uh that kind of capped them off I, I mean i'm like gronk gronk looks amazing to me this week he's been like kind of down the last two weeks uh but you know he faced two of the top teams uh, against opposing tight ends in the season so far in the Saints and Panthers. Now he gets a Jets team 
all that's lying. Uh, I'm, I mean, this, this is not the tight end segment, but I'm super excited about Gronk anyways. Uh, I think it he's the guy. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that, that just ties back into, you know, Brady. I mean, all the Bucks just have tremendous ma- matchups this week. Ronald Jones, Antonio Brown, you get all those guys. AB, man, th- the dude is just good at football. We could talk about all the stuff and how goofy he is off the field and all the dumb shit he does, but dude, he shadow realmed Stefan Gilmore on, on a route. Like the dude can just play. Uh, it, it is what it is, man. Uh, we could we could separate the two facts. Um, 50%? Is that what it was? 50% of the target share last week? That's uh, the other reason why I'm on Gronk, too, a little bit, because there's just no way he's going to have 50% of the targets. I mean, definitely keep playing Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think he'll be fine, but he's not going to have 50% target share this no. week either. But, and, and, and same thing, Josh Allen's great spot, too. The the Falcons have our last NFL in pressure rate. They're last NFL in sacks. Uh, with the Bills, we know that they keep their, their foot on the gas pedal. Uh, so yeah, business as usual. I think we covered like all the good quarterbacks. I think it's pretty much Lance and cash and you just build around all the quarterbacks we've talked about that are good. And you can add Jalen hurts in there as well. How long is Jimmy G hurt for? Is he done for the season? Is that it? No one knows, but I, I can tell you what, everything that Kyle Shanahan is pulling seems like ultimate gamesmanship. Cause any like person with like medical background on Twitter says like this injury is like, like there's no way he can play with it. Okay, so I'm just trying to think, like, maybe they want to get Lance to actually, you know, get him acclimated to the offense, and they're going to, if they make it to the playoffs, that kind of thing, and a Houston defense seems like a good spot to get him acclimated, and, you know, because theoretically, they just want to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, but, like, you'd think long, you know, long picture, you know, playoff time, they'd probably have to have Lance throw the ball at some point. Yes. I, just just Shan- a thought, like, but I don't Shanahan, know. Shanahan is such full of shit too uh they even they even haven't allowed lance to come to the microphone and like speak to media in a month um and shanahan like said that's part of the he called it the um what do you call it the the hush behind the scenes plan like he named it like a devious plan of like not allowing lance to talk to people um he said he says he's been doing amazing the past month which he could be doing that just to bolster his confidence but like (laughs) everything i've seen it just tells me like if i can see through your shit and say trey lance is going to start on sunday i would hope the texans can also say trey lance is starting on sunday well, that's not even officially announced that he's the starter. I thought it was just no. Like assumed. No, what's announced is like, if you listen to Shanahan, you would think Jimmy G's going to start, but uh, I'm not listening to him. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't seem everything I've seen out there as well. I wasn't sure if it, <clears throat> I thought this week was already decided, but I guess, no. I guess not according to Shanahan. Well, it's not public. We're not going to know until that, <clears throat> until that injury report has three DMPs and questionable <laughs> on it. Then we'll know for sure. We started with Thanks. one. He did not practice today. So. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're here, Rich, um, you know, how much does uh, Lance, assuming he's going to start, and Elijah Mitchell come back, uh, how much does that hurt? Like, does Debo still get the same amount of carries? What, what do we expect? It's hard to figure out. Well, he was still carrying, like, I mean, he was still carrying the ball of Elijah Mitchell there, too. I know it's been easy to draw that corollary, but the Vikings game, Elijah Mitchell had, what, 25 touches, and Debo still ran two in. Uh, so, I think that's just his role, that hybrid role. The dude's good at football. Uh, the problem with the 49ers is you see like happens to Debo, right? Like we were clamoring. We're like, oh man, they got to get him more targets. They've got to get more targets. If he doesn't score a rushing touchdown, his floor is going to be too low. Well, he didn't score a rushing touchdown and they gave him 11 targets. But the problem is when someone on the 49ers gets 11 targets, someone else gets screwed. And it was George Kittle yeah. last week. Like there's, there's always just a, a supply and demand problem with targets in the pass game with the 49ers. And that's why we have been like wanting like to see like what this offense can ascend to because all these guys should be able to be good on a week-to-week basis and they still don't have it and probably still in, in the fledgling part of Lance's career it still will be like that 
Um, but it's really frustrating with the 49ers that we have to play this whack-a-mole game of like, well, who's getting the three targets this game? It's difficult. It feels like George Kittle more than many other players has a, uh, the, the biggest like Florida ceiling potential. Like it's just, he's one of those guys just really, really hard to project. You just got, you know, the floor can be low and sometimes they just have him blocking a bunch. <laughs> it's just two targets or something like that. But uh, yeah, we've seen his ceiling games as well too. Let's move on to talk about running backs, Rich, uh, you know, John Taylor, he's 10 K on Fandle, 9 K on DK versus Vegas Eckler, assuming he's back this week, nine on Fandle, 8.2 on DK. Montgomery is getting a big share. Swift apparently is coming back today. This week, I don't buy the Swift one, man. Maybe they're not going to – there's no incentive to push Swift, right? Like maybe he plays, but what's the point? Like what is the upside in grinding Swift 25 carries or 25 touches? Uh, that's my initial – I just I, – I feel like that's – that feels like fool's gold or whatever. And Reynolds, I think, is still lurking or he's still a person. And Williams is still there. Uh, your, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to play down there, but who knows? I mean, listen, they're trying to instill a demeanor in Detroit. So I don't know. Maybe they're all tough football players, but there is no, like, I don't even, they should shut them down to be honest, but uh, that's yeah. not our, that's not our decision to make. Uh, but yeah, we talked about the Bucks a little bit. I mean, listen, keep playing Ronald Jones. Everyone gets there against the Jets. Uh, even Dari Ugambawale by transitive property uh, found the end zone against them last week. Uh, Dagle hit on the game script. That'll be in play. Uh Listen, man, I don't know if anyone wants to believe in this Devin Singletary thing. He keeps popping every week in like my DFS thing I write up. And every week I'm like, eh, I'm still not going to play him. But he's now at 50 of the 58 backfield touches over the past three games. They're huge favorites against Atlanta, who's 21st in rushing points allowed to running backs and 24th in receiving points allowed to running backs. So like he just feels like a guy that gets overlooked because it's Devin Singletary, but I'm the elite offense and he's, and he's a, a work workhorse now. And remember the end of his rookie season, uh, the workload he was getting, that's like what he's getting now. And like, people were excited about him. Remember going into that off season, he's getting back to that usage. Uh, so he's super cheap though. Like he's affordable. We talked about Daryl Williams um, and we're in the year of the fantasy ghost. We've had Duke Johnson and Laquan Treadwell <laughs> and Cordero Patterson and Rex Burkhead. And listen, Rashad Penny, man, is here again. Uh, he's now smashed two of his soft matchups. He didn't hit against the Rams, which, all right, you didn't hit against the Rams, but smashed against the Texans, smashed against the Bears, uh, and now faces a Detroit team that's allowed, that's 31st in touchdowns allowed to running backs. They're 27th in rushing yards per game allowed to running backs, and they're 28th in rushing points allowed per game to running backs. Rashad Penny, man, let him in your heart. Uh. The, the only issue is, you know, not everyone will be able to cite the same stats you did, but everyone already sees, oh, he's playing the Lions. Like the issue yeah. is Rashad Penny chalk is what we're going to be dealing with when we have so many options. To I don't think to. he'll be chalky still, but oh, I think most people do that like not way to Penny too. Like, yeah, you'll get a sprinkle here and there, but a few people take a stand, like feel great about it. But like, you're right. The, the, the spot there against Detroit totally makes sense. By the way, again, my, my Wednesday night optimals, I, I cap running back at 70% rich. Uh, 70% of optimals, Montgomery on Fandle, 70% uh, Montgomery on DK. He, uh, you know, it's not full on the math. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he looks good, too. Volume yeah. volume and opportunity trumps everything else, pretty much. Uh, John, your thoughts as far as some running backs? Feel free to pile on the guys we talked about already or add some new names to the conversation. Yeah, well, Montgomery, because he's also getting the passing game usage all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. 31 targets in his last four games. Like, you can't deny that in a positive game script. Like, now, whether the Bears should be laying a touchdown to anyone, even the Giants is a whole other discussion <laughs> for betting, but the game script still you would expect is great for David Montgomery. Uh, if we can distinguish, if we get the injury report on 
one or the other Eagles running back. If it's Boston Scott oh, yeah. starting without Jordan Howard or Miles Sanders, like that's that's such an awesome play. Even in a tough matchup where Washington has historically been able to continue stopping the run this year, remember, like the Eagles O line has had success against the Saints, the Bucks, um, and significantly tougher matchups. Like their offensive line trumps whichever defensive line is trying to stop them. And so Boston Scott, if he gets in the scheme, yeah, like the it's like the Ravens. You know, like when you have a quarterback and you're running that RPO game, like. It's a, di- it's like, it's different to stop. We've seen them trounce the saints two years in a row running yeah. the football. It's, yeah. When you're able to run with your quarterback and corporate day, we've seen it at the Ravens for the last two years. Oh, it's it's the Browns also, um, you know, just dropping Dearness Johnson in with COVID and injuries. And it's like, doesn't matter. We just run our scheme with the same guys and uh, let Dearness Johnson, who it's still amazing. Anytime he gets a touch, even with the 4-6-40, just looks like the most patient and fastest runner on the field. He is genuinely an incredible running back. I hope he lands in a spot this offseason where he can get a lot of touches since he's a free agent. Um, and then also, you know, we hit on Jonathan Taylor a little bit, but I will say his success he was going to probably get there anyways. He's Jonathan freaking Taylor, but his success has like directly coincided with Quentin Nelson's health. And uh, the fact Quentin Nelson got activated, it seems like we're going to have potentially a full offensive line for the Colts. Like that does make a huge difference. So I would have more confidence paying up for Jonathan Taylor that, well, I don't want to say this, but you can't get both on FanDuel, but I think Jonathan Taylor is the better play over Cooper cup. I think. I mean, 10 a Cooper Cup, like he has to score touchdowns at 10 right. too. Like there's a yeah. way where Cooper Cup can have a really good game on FanDuel and still not bury you just because on, on DraftKings, you with that with the full point PPR, you get to the bonus and you're stacking a point per catch. That's how you get to like you can get like 20 without a touchdown there. And then you're talking 30, 40. Like we've seen the Devontae Adam games, but on FanDuel, like those, like it, it, it he cannot wreck you. He can have the 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 nine for a hundred or the 10 for 95 and not wreck you. The cup for 12 for 150 with a three-point bonus on DK is still, what, 30 points for 9K? Mm-hmm. Like, you're fine. Like, that's okay. But you don't need that. So, you know, on a 14-game slate, you don't need that either. Uh, question here, John. You're talking about Philadelphia. And the tricky thing is, yeah, Sanders is out, but there's still Scott lurking. There's Howard, Gainwell. And there's also the quarterback that can still touch downs, too. Is there, do you think there'll be one clear guy um, that is, like, the obvious one? I say obvious in air quotes, obviously, because you don't really know who it's going to be and those goal line carries necessarily – that's that's kind of my issue here um even with sanders gone is it 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 will be kind of a three-headed monster to some degree or who knows we're just guessing it's possible they call up jason huntley but we even saw last week they had kenneth gainwell active they had all four their backs active and then okay jordan howard and miles sanders left boston scott got 20 snaps kenneth gainwell only played two snaps like it was all boston scott and so maybe if they build the lead then kenneth gainwell comes in for relief but also like you have to get to that lead and Boston Scott will be the one helping you build that lead. So still complete confidence. Now, Jalen Hurts scores like a couple of bunny touchdowns, like scores from the one-yard line. We saw that a couple of weeks ago where he stole two touchdowns. Certainly possible. But uh, that's probably why some people would not play him, even if he's the only back available, whereas I would, I would love to get on cheap Boston Scott. One more I think is interesting is Damian Harris, uh, especially – do we know about Stevenson if he's going to be in or now? He's it's, back. He's back today. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess he's still in play. It's the Jags, right? But, you know, obviously downgrade him appropriately. Patterson, what, seven carries last week? And, again, Atlanta's just sort of playing out the string, and they're not not—they're just not pushing him as far as touches, as far as carries, as far as snaps. And it's a, not a great matchup against Buffalo either. Are we out on Patterson? I saw you shaking your head there, John. 
Oh, I, I just I knew the potential of what he had in store last week. And then he scored that first touchdown in the first quarter. And I thought, oh, like I didn't play him. My mistake. I knew he was an awesome yeah. play. And then, yeah, it just got scaled back from there. It's just been really hard to pinpoint. Like we even talked about it last week, how we said he returned to his normal role, like 62 percent of the snaps um, still playing, even with Mike Davis. But in this past game, I believe, what, eight touches to Mike Davis's eight. They split 50 50. Uh, yeah, eight touches each. So it's just like pinpointing Coral Patterson is like pinpointing Joe Mixon passing game script. It's like, I can't do it. And I'm done trying. And they're, yeah. And again, they have no reason to push him. Like there's just no point at this point in the season. Well, like they, 57% they keep of the first end zone targets over Kyle Pitts. So I can't imagine them wanting to try to push Coral Patterson. <laughs> Let's move on the receiver. Uh, by the way, Rich, we were talking about the, you know, FanDuel being highly reactionary. Antonio Brown is now eight, five on FanDuel. Uh, we know Should he's be. how egregious he was. Yeah, well, I mean, he's more <laughs> expensive than, uh, than Diggs, uh, you know, $500 more than Samuel, more expensive than Keenan Allen and A.J. Brown, a whole bunch of guys. Uh, DK reactionary to some degree, but he's still 6'1 over there, which seems like still too oh cheap. Oh, my God. No, in. that's way yeah. too cheap. Yeah. So Against uh, the yeah, Jets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> instant, instant chalk again. Like, load him up. We talked yeah. about the dude is just he, the, the dude is just good at football. I mean, he's when we we knew this. Like he's a Hall of Fame player. Like he he literally had a Jerry Rice like run in the you know the in the 2010. Yeah, like you know where he just paced the position for like five straight years, just put up Boku numbers. Him and Brady have like a clear mind meld too. Like they've always had it. They're on the same page. Uh, dude comes off the street, hasn't played a football game since week six, uh, and just gets peppered at 50% of targets, looks super clean, running just pristine routes. And now he faces uh, a Jets team that's 31st in yards per target, a lot of deposing wide receivers, uh, 29th in points allowed per target. Just lock him in. 6-1 is crazy. 8-5 at least gives you a choice, and I still think it's too cheap. But 6-1 on a full PPR site, a lock button. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't get, he's the third most him. expensive guy in Fandle. You think that's still too cheap? Like Cup at 10 to Samuel 9K. He's third most expensive. He's more expensive than Hill and and Yeah, Diggs I think he should I think he should be Chase. 9K. That's I think he right. should be 9K. Uh last week Fandle was a good conversation because Geronald Jones was cheaper, but also like with so many backs in his range, like it made sense to pay up for Antonio Brown as a game theory play at 7K because it was still too cheap. Now Ronald Jones scored the touchdown. Antonio Brown did not. So 10 for 107 was good. But like we talked about with Cooper Cup, he didn't get the touchdown. So it really wasn't like a play you needed to have at 7K. But yes, still a still a great play. 61 is far too cheap. Yeah. I mean, the DK 61, uh, you're just throwing him in your cash. If you're playing cash lineups, he's like one of the first person you load in there, sign him in a conversation. Uh, you know who's interestingly? Like, I mean, 61 has to be like 61 has to be like wide receiver 25 or something on the slate. I remember how angry you were last week when you found out he was four nine. I'm, I'm, like, I'm still it. just saying, well, go pull up like fantasy pros right now and see where the industry's ranking Antonio Brown in full PPR. I guarantee you it's like wide receiver six or higher. And he's priced at six one. Like he's probably the same price as like freaking Terry McLaurin or some shit. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, DK, not as reactionary on that one. Fandle, you know, just said, shoot him right up. The, the third most expensive receiver on the board. Uh, AJ Brown is really popping at optimals right now. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't love the matchup against Miami, if you want to say that. And it's kind of sort of similar thing, but he's 7 5 on Fandle, 7 2 on DK. We saw him come back. He was a monster last week. Good for him. I, I, do we have an AJ Brown take? Do we like him? I mean, certainly in tournaments, yes. Of course, he's got to be in the mix. But Rich, uh, is he somebody that like, is screaming like a great play or a great value? I don't know. Yeah, my eighth place best ball teams were so thrilled 
uh, with last Thursday's performance. Uh, very sad to see Arthur Juan, the ship go down this year, but he's good at football. So it was nice to see him come out and ball out. The dude is an absolute beast. I mean, but we've seen now this season, he's given us some real big spike weeks. Uh, you know, he's had a 10 for 155 and one. He's had uh, an eight for 133 and one. He's had an 11 for 145 and one. And he's also had 49 yards or fewer in five of nine, nine games he's played. So there is some volatility there. I don't think he's by any means some kind of lock button, uh, not as strong as I feel about Antonio Brown. But yeah, there's we've seen the spike upside be available to him. Uh, and he's a guy that can win in any matchup too. He's also, he's number three in the NFL. The sample is a little small and it's small for Antonio Brown. He's third in the NFL in target rate per route run. Antonio Brown's first, and then Cooper Cup is sandwiched between them, who obviously is the full season sample. But when the Titans throw, they throw to A.J. Brown, and we'll see throughout the week, but both Julio and Nick Westbrook-Ikeem were put on a COVID list too. We'll see if they get off. But it's really just the only guy they can throw to. Is it like a is, – is Miami defense as good as they may seem, or is it kind of a product of how poor the quarterbacks they have faced? Is it, is it a little bit of column A? Yeah, a little it's bit of column B, that kind of no, thing. Yeah, we inherently know that they have a talented defense and they were good last year and they can force turnovers. They've got good secondary pieces and good pass rushers. Uh, they were injured at the beginning of the year and they weren't getting the turnovers. So it's it's both. But uh, they're definitely a team that like when you get into the dance, though, like their offense isn't good enough to play with some of these teams, though. If if no. like the, if the Raiders and Dolphins, like if they do get into the participation trophy playoffs, like we know the teams were betting against the wild card round. We know the faux contenders because of the schedule they had. John, you have a thought there as far as AJ Brown and like other receivers, we haven't really talked about anybody else. Feel free to add some dudes to the conversation. Yeah. AJ Brown has averaged a 32% target share in eight full games this year. So at least we know we'll get hammered even last week with Julio Jones, you know, the spirit of Julio Jones, at least available on the field. Uh, AJ Brown had a 55% target share just absurdly. So yeah, sure. You're playing him for the targets. On that same note, I think Jalen Waddle is an awesome play. I'm sure everyone will get there, but not at least nine targets in six of his last seven games. He's been injured in one of those, but still accrued 11 targets before going out. And then, you know, let's just keep on going back to Amon Ross St. Brown, who even got it done with Tim Boyle under center somehow. Amon Ross St. Brown now just a, a 33% target share in his last four games. Um, Josh Reynolds, I don't know if Josh Reynolds was cleared from the COVID list today. Maybe he is, but like Brock Wright, Josh Reynolds, some guys that were playing heavy snaps around him were at least placed on the COVID list on Tuesday. So we don't know that had their limitations, whatever. Jared Goff back as well. Jared Goff for call played really well in his last three games prior to getting on the COVID list. So yeah, like AR, ARSB may come under the radar, even though we know he has just a significantly high floor and ceiling in this slate. You got, we've been talking about him for weeks and like, uh, yeah, the, the price finally caught up with him, but he's, he's a guy like he's an sure. archetype of receiver. I'm always slow to come around on like he's, he's in the same spot that Hunter Renfro fell into. Right. Like the same, like the, he ended up being the only guy in the offense. Cause once Waller got hurt, rugs left Waller got hurt. And the Raiders were like, oh, man, all these other guys suck. We can only throw to Hunter Renfro. And that's what happened to the Sun God. Like, you know, Hawkinson, Swift left, Hawkinson left. And they're like, oh, this is like the only dude we got. Like, we got to use him creatively. And he's just been smashing targets uh, and getting there for the last month. I just did a quick Google search. I went on playerprofile.com. Amon Ross St. Brown. You know who his best comparable is? Anybody want to venture a guess? Throw a name out there. Not somebody who thought about in a while. I don't think he's still in the league. I'm pretty sure. Who was uh, who was awesome from the slot, but bad from the boundary in college. <laughs> but also, he was the number one recruit in California to USC. Um, 
I don't know. Cause he was a good, he was a somewhat good prospect. I don't know. Drafted in the fourth round. Apparently Brandon Lloyd, a uh, former San Francisco receiver. Oh, okay. That's a terrible comp. <laughs> well, I love Matt the Kelly. Profiler. That's an absolutely <laughs> terrible comp. Brandon Lloyd. Brandon Lloyd is like a boundary circus catch wide receiver. Like the dude right. just like, he just made ridiculous catch after ridiculous catch. Uh, that's a terrible comp. I love Matt Kelly and I love player profiler. That's a garbage comp. That's as bad as when people, that's as bad as when people use the LaVisca Chenault to Des Bryant objective comp because they're big oh, and they had the same measurables as players. They're not, they're nowhere close. Not even in the same, like they different play styles, different archetypes, different everything. Shots fired. Calling out the fantasy match. No, I love those guys. Listen, I got my, my book right here. My Matt Kelly book. Uh, I've got it <laughs> right here. Um, how did, right how did you get a book? I wanted this pod last week, and I did, I, I've been going two two pods per year with him, and I didn't get a freaking book. Although I guess <laughs> I don't have a house, he would have to send it Silva. But that's I the green know, room, but, like uh, parting uh, package for the. For I will guests, say uh, I love it. Uh, I've got credit for a couple pictures on there. I don't know if it's up there, but R- Rondell Moore. I referred to as Ant-Man on the podcast before, yeah. and uh, he, he's <laughs> he used to be the picture when you go to Rondell Moore. It was just a picture of Ant-Man. That's amazing. I will go. I will check that in a second as I throw it to uh, the tight ends, John. Tight ends. Well, Rich, you already talked about your love for Gronk. Do you uh, double down on that? Are you, are you in on that as well, John? I assume. And Kittle. We talked about him. Like his ceiling is immense. His floor is not ideal. Goddard versus Washington. Pitts. It's so weird. Uh, I, I, like, is he had a good year or a bad year? I have no idea. Like week to week, my my opinion changes on him. Uh, and so it depends on how you felt coming to the season, where he was drafted and season long and all that kind of stuff. All right, uh, John, what do you have for me as far as tight ends as I Google Rondell Moore and his player profile? Um, yeah, we hit on Gronk and all the reasons why we were going to play him. He was on my list. Dalton Schultz, we already talked about, heavy on my list. Also, if you're going to pay down, like everyone keeps getting there on Cole Komet. The issue about Cole Komet, he just doesn't score touchdowns. Like you see Jimmy Graham, like everyone cites the snaps and the routes run. But like those seven snaps, those seven routes run, Jimmy Graham runs, it's literally inside the 20. Like they put him on the field for red zone, which is why he keeps accumulating end zone targets over Cole Komet. So like Cole Komet is actually like the worst, worst play because you know, he doesn't have a ceiling. Like there's no point in playing, but he's never going to score a touchdown unless it comes from outside the 40 yard line. So I just never play Cole Komet, but 400 more than Cole Komet. I will say there has been a little bit of a usage change for Foster Moreau in the last three weeks. Uh, playing at least 97% of the snaps there and now averaging six and a half targets per game in that span. We don't know about Darren Waller's participation just yet. And I understand Foster Moreau let us down those first couple of games because he wasn't an every down player, but the last three weeks they have catered more to him because they need more help. And so, and you know, we're still waiting on Brian Edwards as well. We'll see if he comes back at full strength since he was put on the COVID list last second last week, but overall, yeah. Like if you're going to pay down Foster Moreau is kind of my guy I'm sitting on down there. Yeah. Waller went on the COVID list today. Okay. And plus the injury, which we don't know what, what the hell is going on with that. And the uh, the <laughs> the malfeasance, it's like egregious how coaches, including the Raiders, have handled the IR this year. Just like letting guys sit there for five weeks. Oh, yeah, they'll come back and practice. Bro, like you could just slap them on there, get three games for an extra guy on a year. Everyone needs their full roster. And instead, they just let these guys sit there DNPing all week. It's like, come on, I'd like pay me. I'll run your roster for you. Rich will be happy to know player profiler still has Rondell Moore's picture as Ant-Man. Uh, it's in character. Beautiful. It's not like a, it's not a picture of John Cusack. Uh, <laughs> T.Y. Hilton, by the way, is his best comparable. Paul that, Rudd. that feels like a good comp. Oh, oh yeah, Paul Rudd. My, I'm not a superhero guy. Yeah, I get Cusack and Rudd confused, but yeah, okay, that makes more sense. He kind of is a modern. He kind of is modern Cusack though, a little bit. It's not terrible. 
Yeah, I feel like they're kind of sort of the same guy, just like 10 years apart. Well, I don't, excuse me, what, 55 or something like that? Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I'm not a, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think John is either. Rich, are you a, you're a resident uh, superhero expert, I think, by default, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I am. I'm, I'm in all that stuff. I grew up reading comics and everything. So, but that's why I made the comp to the end, man. You still got uh, two weeks or so, maybe three weeks, whatever it is. You can finally catch up on your DVR and all your superhero shows. Oh, dude. I mean, no, I mean, Succession's first. Uh, definitely get to that. Uh, Kurt? I've got, uh, there's a list. There's a list. All right. Yeah. You're going to have yourself a good time for sure. Uh, throw out some tight ends you like. Uh, we covered most of the guys. I do like Moreau as the cheap guy. I like that call. Uh, Gronk, Goddard. Uh, we covered pretty much all the, all the dudes, though. Zach Ertz as your floor guy. Uh, that pretty much covers it. We said it's not been like a great stretch to pay down like you've got to pick one of these yeah. guys uh gronk is my flavor of choice at the top we'll see what happens throughout the week though and if i have to, if i have to come off that at the end of the week but i'm looking at this bucks onslaught and just looking at playing brady ronald jones antonio brown and gronk all together and just going ham no run back right any run nope, back or no? no just going ham wait elijah yeah. Moore might come back I mean, i'm not gonna play him but stick a pin that he might come back because he was getting like a, a ton of targets before he got hurt. Do you have a favorite game stack this week, John, on a Wednesday night? Of course, this kind of stuff can change, but any, any sort of game that's sticking out for you? Cowboys double stacks were sticking out. Um, naked Trey Lance with the offensive stacks I like are sticking out. Uh, and then, yeah, Daryl Williams to get my exposure to what I expect to be a slowed down Chiefs Bengals game. All right, we've reached the end of week 17. As John mentioned before, we're, we plan on doing a, at least one week of the, the wild card. That'll be good times for sure. Of course, week 18 on Layaway will be here uh, next Wednesday night, and that's going to be fun, I'm sure. We're going to have a lot of information to, to, to parse through on week 18. I'm told that's the information slate. A lot of times we don't have that information on Wednesday night, but we're going to do our best for sure. Uh, with that said, Rich, tell the people, I mean, come on, we always say this, like if they don't know it by now, but whatever, maybe one guy, there's one guy out there it's like this rich fella, he's pretty sharp. He's pretty smart. But where do I find his content around the interwebs? Sharpfootballanalysis.com. I mean, all the stuff I do in the playoffs will be free. Uh, you know, you can find me here every Wednesday night and potentially extra Wednesdays coming up uh, with my boys, Daigle and Dean. Same deal, Daigle. Extra Wednesdays would be nice. Uh, at Najee Daigle on Twitter, NBCSportsEdge.com, where I'm going now to update the waiver wire column for Wednesday night, just in case, you know, it's just you and your league mates sitting around on waivers and thus the actual process, the deadline doesn't matter because y'all are just fighting each other anyways over players late in the week, waiting for the COVID list. So it'll be there and a good football show on iTunes. Do appreciate y'all uh, checking us out here for the NFL Pick 6 show. That was Rich. That was John. I was Dean. That was football. We're out of here. Holler. 